There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you'll only look Then you will see On WCN-TV to today's episode of WCN-TV. This is Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023. And I thank you for tuning in. You know, since the two weeks to flatten the curve three years ago, we've learned a lot and talked a lot about the globalist plan for what they call a new world order, which is not new at all, but in my opinion, just another secular humanist attempt at rebuilding Babylon. But we've seen how the globalists have used the manufactured crisis of COVID-19 and many other manufactured crises to keep us all living in fear because fearful people are compliant people and easier to manage. In years and decades past, we read about Agenda 30. I thought it was nothing more than a communist pipe dream. Now we're seeing pieces of the puzzle come together at breakneck speed. And many of us laughed at the ideas within the Green New Deal because they were just so utterly. But for laughing anymore, as the insane plans are coming to fruition. One of the leading organizations heading at the Great Reset is the World Economic Forum. We've talked about that a lot as well, how they promise we'll own nothing and we'll like we'll be happy, how the U.S. will no longer be a world superpower, how we'll no longer be eating meat, but index instead, and as some research shows, maybe even people. Now that the COVID scam is wearing thin, and since the monkeypox thing didn't quite work out for them, the globalists are really working hard on the climate change scare. Because, you know, the CO2 that we exhale and plants and trees inhale is destroying the planet. But only Western and American CO2. China can keep pumping out as much pollution as they want. The Earth loves that. But the natural remedy for all this, of course, is a carbon tax, social credit scores, and a one-world digital currency. And at least until they can roll out the next superbug pandemic to lock us all down even further. Today on WCN-TV, we have an award-winning international journalist as our guest. Alex Newman is with us to discuss all these things and more. Alex is an educator, author, speaker, and consultant who seeks to glorify God in everything he does. He's the president of Liberty Sentinel Medium. He's a contributor to Epoch Times, the senior editor of the New American Magazine. He writes for WorldNet Daily. You may have heard him on BCY America's Crosstalk program or seen him on Breitbart, Breitbart, Fox News, or in the New York Times, Washington Post, Reuters, or the Associated Press, or a lot of other places. Now you're seeing him on WCN-TV, so. And in fact, um, Alex will be one of our featured speakers at our WCN conference April 14th and 15th, so you can see him live and meet him in person if you come and join us. I'm looking forward to our discussion today because Alex has a deep understanding of the Great Reset, and we're all going to learn something here today, so stay tuned. Alex, welcome to WCN-TV, and thank you for being here. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Rob. Great. So. Um, Alex is first of all, let's run through your website, make sure we get that covered. It, it is uh, libertysentinel.org. And we have that up on the on the screen there, I think. Or we can make it. There we go. 
And uh, Alex, tell us what, what people will find on your website. Uh, well, thank you, Rob. LibertySentinel.org is uh, kind of my company site. I, I turned it into a, an eclectic mix of different things that I post. I, I put up, uh, you know, sermons that I've delivered, articles that I write, blog posts, and stuff that other people send me that I think is interesting, that is worth sharing. Um, pretty much everything comes from a uh, biblical perspective. Uh, uh, very often I'll, I'll comment on uh, economic or political or religious issues, but um, just a fun mix of stuff to uh, keep people informed. Uh, I say it's all the uh, information you need to stay free. So, Great, great. And uh, there are also some uh, some excellent books and DVDs and other resources available there. So check that out, libertysentinel.org. So let's get into the uh, topic that I think we want to cover today, which is the Great Reset. Um, who are the players behind the Great Reset, Alex? Well, it's a good question. And I think the simplest answer, uh, and I, and I only partly kidding is Satan is the main player, right? I mean, yeah. um, when, when you boil this down, uh, what this really is, is it's satanic. It's a diabolical plot against God, against the church, against God's people, against, uh, God's moral code and against everything that is good and right and just, uh, it's also a plot against Americans. And if you're talking about, um, and you know, the Bible also speaks very clearly about the, the nature of, what we're up against. Uh, it's not flesh and blood, it's powers, it's principalities, it's um, demonic forces. And I think um, the World Economic Forum, uh, I mean, uh, very, very good representation of that. Now, there are human people associated with this. Um, the first and most obvious individual would be Klaus Schwab, the, the chairman of the World Economic Forum. But he himself uh, is really just a pawn. He was actually recruited by Henry Kissinger to, uh, to basically serve uh, in this capacity. And of course, Henry Kissinger was recruited by David Rockefeller. So you have um, behind the players that you see, you have more players and behind the players that you don't see, you have the powers and principalities that the Bible tells us about. Now, Klaus Schwab has done a masterful job of bringing together uh, government leaders and business leaders uh, around this agenda. So he brings together, uh, you know, the CEOs of the major corporations, the banks of the world. He brings together the presidents, prime ministers, dictators, and uh, they're all now united, it seems like, around this concept of a great reset. And depending on who you ask, it's almost like a Rorschach test, right? The, the business leaders are being told that it's going to be good for their business. The political leaders are being told that it's going to be uh, good for their power base and so on. But uh, ultimately, I think to the, the clearest and most um, realistic way to understand this is uh, it's a diabolical project from the pit of hell. And Klaus Schwab is serving as the front man for that project. He certainly uh, is in the running for the creepiest guy in the world, right. isn't he? I mean, he, I used to think uh, George Soros was bad, but uh, Klaus Schwab is is really uh, even even some of the things he says that uh, they're not hiding their agenda at all, are they? They're not. That, that's what's so remarkable is that if you listen, if you read their papers, um, they'll actually tell you essentially what they're doing. I mean, they, they'll tell you, we, we want to remove your individual freedom. We want to radically transform the entire world. Um, if you look at the morality that they're pushing, it really is an inversion of biblical morality. I start at the very beginning. God said, be fruitful and multiply. These fanatics say that there are too many people. And uh, not only should we not be multiplying, we should be drastically reducing the number of people on the planet uh, using various means, abortions, contraceptions, uh, vaccines, um, as, uh, as Bill Gates put it, uh, you know, that sometimes it's taken out of context. Um, you know, what he claims to have meant is that, well, p kids will live longer if they're vaccinated and therefore parents will quit having so many children. But he will tell you vaccines are, are part of his strategy for reducing the population of people on the planet. So, um, you know, you can start there and move onward from that. Um, it is uh, really a total inversion of the moral code that God delivered to mankind at Sinai, of course, through Moses, the Ten Commandments, uh, and also uh, the moral precepts that he began unveiling right at the very beginning in, in uh, the first chapter of Genesis. So, And, and let's, let, maybe you can tell us uh, about the, uh, the young globalist leaders or the, what, what, what is that? Yeah, so the World Economic Forum School uh, serves, he's got. Yeah, mm -hmm. they, he calls it the Young Global Leaders Program. It's the Young Global Leaders Program to use yeah. uh, my Klaus Schwab impersonation. But, you do um, a great one, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I get people tell me, uh, you should stop impersonating Klaus Schwab. Uh, and then other people tell me, no, it's awesome. So you keep doing it. Um, I, I just think, that, you know, at some point you have to um, 
have, have a little bit of fun with this because it's so evil. It's so ridiculous. Uh, you know, at some point we just have to laugh a little. But the Young Global Leaders Program, this is uh, one of the major initiatives of the World Economic Forum that Klaus Schwab runs. And what they do is they bring in, um, as the name implies, people that they think are going to be prominent young global leaders at some point in the future. So there, there's two things going on. There's one element of identifying people who quite on their own, left alone, we're, are going to go places, so to speak. They're going to become leaders of business, leaders of government, leaders of um, religious movements. Um, and so they try to attract people who are naturally on the road to becoming leaders. Uh, and on the other, there's a real element of grooming here. So they bring people in and then they kind of open doors for them, right? They give them the training. Part of it, it's ideological, right? Do you agree with us that uh, we need a great reset, that there's too many people on the planet, that there's too much freedom, that we need uh, to get rid of self-government, right? And once they've identified and sufficiently indoctrinated these people, then they start opening doors for them. So, um, you know, very, very similar to the way some organizations here in the United States work, the Council on Foreign Relations. Once you become a member, well, that's uh, the Rolodex where the incoming administration will choose people to serve in senior posts in their government. So um, it is, uh, on the one hand, recruiting global leaders. On the other hand, it's grooming future global leaders for the purpose of advancing uh, not just the Great Reset, but the, the broader mission of the World Economic Forum, which, uh, you know, despite whatever uh, nice language they may try to hide behind, uh, is really ultimately the end of self-government and a move toward a one-world, technocratic, kind of hybrid fascist communist uh, system. Okay, yep, and uh, we know that uh, Fidel Castro's son, who is currently running Canada, is uh, is a graduate of uh, the uh, organization we just talked about. Who are some of the others that we might know? Yeah, the, the list is really enormous. And uh, actually, Klaus Schwab has bragged repeatedly about his young global leaders. One of the people that he bragged about was Vladimir Putin, which is uh, very interesting because uh, Vladimir Putin is the bad guy du jour at the moment. We're all supposed to hate him. He's kind of the uh, Emmanuel Goldstein of 1984, right? Got to have our two minutes of hate. Um, but um, according to Klaus Schwab, more than 50% of the cabinet of Mr. Trudeau is a, a, a young global leaders. Uh, so you've got, you know, those, uh, you've got presidents, you've got prime ministers, uh, you've got uh, numerous, numerous European leaders, Emmanuel Macron, uh, the uh, president of France, right? Uh, a lot of these uh, very, very influential people in uh, European, Canadian and American politics come out of this Young Global Leaders Program. Uh, interestingly, uh, Elon Musk uh, is reportedly a member of this Young Global Leaders Program, uh, the uh, former president of Argentina, and uh, a whole lot of uh, these people, especially in European politics at the uh, European Union. Uh, Angela Merkel uh, reportedly was part of this. Um, and so now more and more, they're also trying to bring in uh, Africans and Middle Easterners. They find people who they think are going to um, gravitate in the direction of government and business leadership. A lot of UN officials are uh, young global leaders, uh, current and former. So, um, you know, I think uh, if you want to keep an eye on people who are going places in the world, uh, the young global leaders um, roster is, uh, is definitely a place to keep your eye on. Yeah, and I would I would assume that um, the occupant of our White House just didn't quite make the grade to get into the uh, young global leaders class. So, <laughs> right. But he is a Klaus Schwab is a big fan of uh, Joe Biden. I've got an interesting video where he introduces Biden. I think it's in uh, 2016, maybe. Um, and he actually asked Joe Biden to talk about uh, the fourth industrial revolution, which is according to Klaus Schwab a major part of the Great Reset. He defines it as the uh, merger of our physical, our biological, and our digital uh, selves into one, right? It's basically transhumanism. And uh, he introduces the Honorable Joe Biden, and I'm so pleased to see you back here at the World Economic Forum. Um, so yeah, the, Joe Biden is definitely in tight with this whole um, global uh, World Economic Forum cabal. Is Zelensky from uh, Ukraine in, in on this group too? I don't know that he was a young global leader, but he certainly is very close to the World Economic Forum. Uh, he's been a major participant in a lot of their events. He may actually be a young global leader. I just don't know for sure off the top of my head. But, um, you know, there, there's a lot of connections there, right? The guy who created Zelensky, um, very few people know about him. He's a, a Ukrainian oligarch named uh, Ihor Holomoysky. Um, 
And uh, he is a, a billionaire. He actually was the owner of Burisma Holdings. Now, Burisma Holdings is the organization that paid Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, about $50,000 per month to serve on the board of directors. And I guarantee you it wasn't because of Hunter Biden's um, business skills, shall we say, um, had much more to do with his relationship with the big guy, as uh, Joe Biden was called in uh, the documents and, and records that came off his, of his laptop. So uh, there's certainly a major nexus there between uh, Zelensky and the global cabal that swirls around the World Economic Forum. Hmm. So, you know, we could, um, I guess if we had planned ahead, we could have pulled up the uh, WEF website and, and looked at the Great Reset agenda, but uh, probably easier just for you to tell us, what are their plans? What, what do they have in store? Well, a few years before they announced the Great Reset, they put out this very interesting um, little video and um, they, they call it predictions. They said it was predictions for 2030. But uh, if you know anything about the World Economic Forum, you know these are not so much predictions as they are um, agenda items, if you will. In fact, a guy who I suspect is probably higher in the pecking order than Klaus Schwab, uh, his name is Peter Schwartz. He's, he's described uh, frequently as the world's leading scenario planner. Uh, what he does is he, he looks at possible future outcomes and tries to steer things in the direction that his paymasters want. Um, he's got a book. I'm actually reading it right now. Uh, it's called um, The Art of uh, the Long View. And um, what they do with these uh, so-called predictions, it, really, they need to be looked at as uh, this is the direction they want to go. And so the very first one, it's become almost a cliche now. They say uh, that by 2030, you will own nothing and you'll be happy, right, uh, which is very interesting. Now, this is not actually a new agenda. Um, I've got a book behind me. I don't know if the viewers can see it. But it's called Tragedy and Hope. Um, this was actually published back in the 1960s by a man who uh, very much regarded himself as a key player, as a key part of this kind of global one world cabal. Uh, he was Bill Clinton's mentor. He's a history professor at uh, Georgetown University called Carol Quigley. And he actually says in this book, he reveals uh, kind of the whole end game of the elite. Uh, that their goal is to create a neo-feudalist global system that they control, where they control the political and the economic system of every country under a one-world system. Uh, and he says it's going to be based on feudalist principles. Well, feudalism, for those who can't remember back to like their third grade civics class, uh, this is a system where you own nothing. And um, in theory, at least you're supposed to be happy, right? So your lord owns everything. Uh, your lord being kind of the minion of the king who's been entrusted over a certain piece of the kingdom. And as long as you do everything that you're told, as long as you surrender 50% of your crops, as long as you hand over your sons and daughters when they're demanded, um, you can sit there and occupy this little piece of land, but you'll never own it, right? You are a serf, you are a, a tenant on that land. Uh, and I think that's very much uh, along the lines of the system they're trying to build. So it's not a new idea, this idea that you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Um, one of Klaus Schwab's minions and advisors, his name is Yuval Noah Harari, um, he actually came out publicly and said recently, you know, how are we going to keep all these useless eaters happy? Well, probably some combination of drugs and video games. So um, I, I think when they say that you're going to own nothing, uh, we really need to take that very seriously. They intend to uh, strip us of uh, not just our private property, but even our right to own private property. Uh, they want us to make they want to make us completely dependent on themselves. Uh, there's some other interesting items in that list. Um They've got, uh, you're going to rent everything, right? Which right off the bat tells us something really significant. If you're going to rent everything, somebody's still going to own it, right? Uh, right, it, right. It's not going to be the people. It's going to be your overlords, the the self-proclaimed global elites that are going to be basically running the planet, at least in their minds, right? I don't expect their plans to actually come to fruition, at least not to completion. But um, they'll be owning everything. You'll be renting it. Uh, they say that there's going to be a billion people displaced by climate change, and you're going to have to do a better job of welcoming them. So I think it, within the next probably 10 years or so, we should expect a massive movement of human beings from what they call the undeveloped or the developing world, uh, you know, Africa, the Middle East, Asia, Latin America, toward what they call the developed world, uh, Western Europe, the United States, Japan. Uh, you know, the Japanese have, have said, no, they're not going to be accepting refugees, but uh, I suspect they'll keep beating on them until they surrender. Also, maybe South Korea, things like that. And so we should expect a massive movement of people, um, engineered, of course. Uh, they do say that uh, you're not going to be able to eat much meat. It'll be a special treat, if anything. So they've told us multiple times now they want us to be eating bugs. Uh, the World Economic Forum says this. The UN's been saying this for 10 years. 
So, um, you know, I think the simplest way to understand it is really global feudalism, uh, an end to national sovereignty, an end to self-government, uh, an end to the American concepts that we have kind of taken for granted for a long time. The idea that God gave us rights, the idea that uh, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, property, things like that. Uh, they want to dispense with all of that and move toward, um, you know, I think the economic system, Klaus Schwab has given us some insights into what this should look like. And if you listen to his descriptions, it's really just fascism, right? Uh, the idea that uh, the corporations must serve the governments is, uh, is you know, to, to quote him almost exactly at the Harvard School of Business. Um, so um, basically a global totalitarian system, I think is the simplest way to understand. And then he does bring in this element of the fourth industrial revolution, um, which he says is a key part of the Great Reset. And that, in, in his description, is a merger of man and machine, uh, transhumanism. So this transformation that they're talking about, it really gets down to the most fundamental components of what it means to be human. Uh, they talk about uh, installing uh, microchips in our brains. They talk about genetically engineering our children, supposedly for our own benefit. But, um, you know, this transformation that they're talking about, it's hard to overstate the significance of this. They're talking about transforming every single aspect of our lives, our businesses, our families, our education systems, our economy, everything. And, uh, you know, there's no way you can condense that into a soundbite. They want to change everything about our lives to basically create a global slave-based system. Well, and, um, you know, the, the technology is already in use. Um, I was just watching a, a, a short video of um, um, people in uh, 2020 walking down the street, you know, crowds of people wearing masks, and they were doing facial recognition um, using that technology. So even with your mask on, they can tell who you are. Uh, people have these devices in their homes. Um, they sign up for, for Google apps that basically give them all the information they want. You know, we, we not to mention we hand it over on Facebook. So um, which is another CIA op. I'm positive. Yeah. <laughs> so. there's, there's, there's no doubt about it, Rob. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, uh, Facebook and uh, Google, a lot of these big tech companies, they were actually stood up with uh, initial funding through InQtel. Uh, InQtel is the investment arm of the intelligence community, and that's public record. Right? DARPA played a critical role in standing up a lot of these companies. DARPA is the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. So, um, you know, there's there's absolutely no question that most of these big tech companies were created, funded, built, and um expanded with the deliberate assistance of the CIA, the intelligence community, the defense department. And um, yeah, I mean, you're, you just hit the nail right on the head and people need to understand that. Yep. And um, they can catch you off guard. Um, like I said, people signed up for Facebook. If, if the government asked you for all your personal information, all your photos, all your family history, all your activities, you would not give that information away willingly, but make it enticing make it a game make it fun and uh people just hand it over yeah. and uh, i know that um a couple of years ago we bought a uh electronic thermostat called the nest and um basically so you can control your thermostat while you're away from home and um last year the nest system was purchased by google and in order to keep our furnace running or our air conditioning running, we had to have a, a Google, Google account. Um, so now Google has access to that. Uh, until I tear the thing off the wall, I just haven't gotten a Home Depot to replace it yet. But it's... Uh, Yep. And that's ubiquitous now. You know, it, almost uh, uh, every American now has some sort of tracking device in their pockets. You know, uh, I think I'm one of the last people left on this planet who does not have and has never had a smartphone. I, I still use this thing right here. It's a flip phone. Uh, it collects far more data on me than I'm comfortable with, but uh, I will not do that. And, um, you know, I, I, people have these Alexa things. I forget what they're called now. They, they sit in your house and you tell it, like, Alexa, put on music. And right, this thing is spying on you. It's sending information on you all day, every day to Amazon. And then, of course, Amazon is sharing it with their partner companies, with governments. And of course, even if they weren't deliberately sharing it, the NSA has access to everything. 
Uh, and so uh, basically, Americans are paying very good money to be surveilled, to be spied on. Uh, and, you know, I, I think a lot of people haven't thought through the implications of this. When you combine all the surveillance with the artificial intelligence, with the technology, with the processing capabilities that exist now, uh, you realize these a lot of these companies and, of course, the governments that partner with these companies uh, probably have a, a more detailed understanding of every individual and their thoughts, their preferences, even what they might do, than those individuals themselves have, right? Uh, the AI systems that now exist are so unbelievably powerful. When you give them all this data that all these apps and, and computer systems and surveillance devices are collecting, you combine that with all the data they already have, uh, the, the totalitarian capabilities and potential of these systems are beyond, I think, what any regular lay person can even begin to comprehend. Yeah, I, and I know we're going down a rabbit trail here, but let me just mention one more thing. Um, last year, the uh, the news came out that uh, Roomba vacuum cleaners, okay, everybody's heard of these robot vacuum cleaners, uh, was purchased by Amazon, and Roomba vacuum cleaners, now purchased, now owned by Amazon, actually map your house, so they learn the uh, layout of your house so that they don't fall down the stairs or knock into walls or tip things over, but they're mapping your house, sending that information to Amazon. Just one more example. I had to squeeze that in there. So yep. anyone in our studio audience have any questions, just raise your hand and I will try to try to bring you in as soon as we can here. So, but uh, Alex, I'm going to, um, throw a wrench in things and, and um, see if you can answer this question. Tell us, if you can, about State Street, BlackRock, and Vanguard. Uh, these seem to be the corporations that own the world. Am I right? Yeah, uh, they they are. And if, actually, if you look at the publicly available information about who are the largest shareholders in the Fortune 500 companies, what you'll find is over and over again, Vanguard, State Street, and BlackRock. Now, uh, Vanguard, I'm a little bit less concerned about than the others because Vanguard is kind of passive, you know, index funds. So they just kind of buy, you know, big uh, an index, basically a, a set of stocks, and you know, don't mess with it too much. But what what BlackRock is doing and what State Street are doing has me very concerned. I've actually uh, just in the last few months, I've spoken with several state attorneys general who are investigating BlackRock and uh, what they're telling me and and what's known publicly now is that BlackRock is weaponizing our money, right? I mean, this is our money that they're using. Uh, in many cases, public money, right? Our state governments have put state pension funds, our state governments have put uh, state taxpayer dollars with BlackRock, and then they're using that money. And of course, the federal government is doing this too. In fact, the Federal Reserve signed these crazy partnerships with BlackRock, the federal government, the US Treasury has signed all these deals. It's really hard to know where BlackRock ends and the federal government begins. That's how uh, incestuous the relationship is. Uh, and so they're taking all of this money that unfortunately we and our political leaders have given them and then they're weaponizing it against us and against our country and against our companies. So they're going in and they're telling companies, if you want investment, you're going to have to be woke. You're going to have to promote climate change nonsense. You're going to have to promote LGBTism in your commercials. You're going to have to promote all this social justice agenda. They're the ones bringing in the ESG, the Environmental, Social and Governance scores that, I mean, this is basically just fascism, right? Where the uh, the government tells companies what they need to be doing. Uh, it's just kind of backdoor fascism. So, uh, you know, I'm extremely concerned about this. Larry Fink, we were talking about the World Economic Forum earlier. Larry Fink, the head of BlackRock, is actually a, a board member of the World Economic Forum. He's also on the board of the Council on Foreign Relations. That's basically deep state headquarters here in the United States. So uh, this is a very, very dangerous institution. I'm, I'm very relieved to see so many states now pushing back. My state here in Florida has now taken some of the money out of BlackRock, which is a good thing. Um, there's a coalition of 19 state attorneys general who have launched an investigation into BlackRock and some of these practices that they say may uh, be a violation of the company's fiduciary responsibility to shareholders, to investors, things like that. So I'm encouraged by this, but BlackRock is such a behemoth with 10, almost $10 trillion under management. Um, it is by far the largest asset manager on the planet. And um, when you look at the leadership of this company, it leaves um, a lot of very significant concerns. Um, you know, it, it this uh, for the people out there who are familiar with Peter Drucker, he was this. His cover story was he's kind of a, a management guru, right? But he trained up a lot of the political and and uh, business tycoons of the era, and also incidentally some of the religious leaders, people like uh, Rick Warren, 
of Saddleback Church. And uh, he had this vision of a three-legged stool that was needed to bring about major changes in the world. Uh, he said the first leg of the stool is the government sector, the, the public sector. The second leg of the stool is the business sector. The third leg of the stool is the religious sector. And so uh, the World Economic Forum and BlackRock are kind of the, the second leg of the stool, right? They're forcing the business community of the world to join in this global agenda. The UN's bringing together the governments of the world. And now increasingly under the leadership of the UN and under the leadership of some of these organizations, uh, they're bringing the religions of the world together. I was just in Egypt a few weeks ago um, for the, um, the UN COP27, the climate summit. And um, I, I ran into a guy there and our conversation was off record. So I can't give any names and I can't give too many details, but um, they've created this thing. Now they call it the Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero, GFANS. And they actually created this last year. Um, but what they are doing is they're bringing all the banks of the world, including, by the way, the, the organizations like BlackRock, and uh, committing them or forcing them to commit to this idea of net zero, where there will be net zero carbon emissions in their portfolios. And so what this is going to do and what it is already doing is it is starving critical industries, and, and BlackRock specializes in this, starving critical industries of investment and credit that they need to operate. So our energy infrastructure, our power companies, our oil companies, right? Um, and they're saying that we have to do this to save the climate. Meanwhile, BlackRock and a lot of these major banks that are part of this alliance are funneling money over to communist China, which is building coal-fired power plants faster than we can even count them. So you put all this together, you realize, first of all, they're lying to us about CO2. They're lying to us about their concern about climate change. This has much, much bigger implications. It has nothing to do with stopping CO2 or saving the climate. But you have the business, the government, and the religious communities all uniting around this global UN Agenda 2030, Great Reset. It's all really one and the same thing. It's a move toward a one-world religious, economic, and governmental system that means the end of Christian civilization. It means the end of individual liberty. It means the end of America as we have known it. And those companies that you mentioned are all critical players in all of this, Rob. Well, yeah, and every time I see anything nefarious, if you dig far enough, um, it all comes back to State Street, BlackRock, or Vanguard. Inevitably, it always does. It's always the same people doing the same things. But, um, you know, they they got this far because they got all of our kids, right? I mean, it's um, complete indoctrination in our schools so that by the time they get to college, um, they don't even know what gender they are. Sometimes they don't know what gender they are in middle school. Yep. And, and so, I, I think that right there is the key to understanding all of this. They never would have been able to get away with this if they had not indoctrinated multiple generations of Americans through the public school system. So that's why I, I've made it a centerpiece of my work now for six, seven, maybe eight years uh, is exposing what's happening in the so-called education system. I won't even play along with the farce and pretend like this is an education system anymore. It's not. Um, and, you know, that's not my opinion, by the way. The federal government, every two years, they do the National Assessment of Educational Progress. Based on their data, less than one-third of uh, victims of public schools are proficient in any core subject, English, math, science, history, right? These are the basic things that American parents think they're sending their children to learn at school. According to the government itself, less than one-third of those children are proficient in any of these things. So they're not learning the things that we expect them to be learning. Instead, they are learning um, gender madness. They're learning climate change madness. They're learning global citizenship. Um, and this should not be a surprise, right? I, I think from a biblical perspective, this should have been obvious all along, right? God never delegated to Caesar the responsibility to educate, raise, or disciple children. That's the job of parents. That's the job of families over and over and over again in scripture, where you read about education, where you read about the bringing up of the next generation, it's always a responsibility that is handed to parents, never a responsibility that is handed to Caesar. In fact, the job of the government, as the Bible makes clear, is to punish evil. It's not to raise your kids for you. It's not to teach them math, science, or whatever else. So what we did uh, when we allowed these people to take over education from the parents, and you know the church has always played a supplemental role throughout church history, um, we ended up in the problem that we're in. And so now we're seeing that come to fruition where they are openly indoctrinating our children to accept this new world order, to accept this great reset. They are grooming our children to accept this uh, totally inverted 
uh, understanding of morality. And uh, we're not going to make even a dent in this until parents start waking up and until church leaders start waking up and sounding the alarm and saying, this is not right. This is not what's supposed to be happening. In fact, this is wrong. We need to protect our children from this. And at this point, there's only one way to do that. So, Yeah, well, and um, I think recently I saw something where the uh, leader of the um, NEA, National Education Association, um, Soar up and down that this is, you know, we are not indoctrinating kids with um, uh, transgenderism, LGBTQP plus, and uh, all this other wokeism. And yet, if that's the case, why are they so concerned about it? Um, you know, what? Why are they? I mean, you you had the situation in Florida, where uh, DeSantis basically just wanted to protect uh, kids up to. Eight, uh, third grade, I think it was. Yep. And uh, you, you saw how that exploded. Yep. And uh, I mean, the fact that we're even having this discussion, the, the idea that uh, it's okay to, to indoctrinate children in a school with the idea that they might have been born in the wrong body and that if they chop off the, the pieces, parts of their body that God put there, that somehow they're going to be their true self. And the fact that we're even having this discussion is absolutely insane. And nobody would have believed that we'd be having this discussion 10 years ago. If you had told people 10 years ago that they'd be teaching our children in school, in kindergarten, that they might have been born in the wrong body and that they can go to a doctor, quote unquote, I use that term very loosely here, uh, quacks is uh, still being very generous to have their genitals surgically removed. Nobody would have believed you because that's so crazy. Uh, and yet here we are dealing with this. And folks, I'm telling you, they are just getting started. But they've been very, very clear from the beginning that this was their plan. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've done a deep dive into is the history of public schools in America. If you go back and look at the history of who created this system, every single one of them was someone who rejected the Bible, rejected God, rejected uh, the Ten Commandments, rejected uh, our form of government, and wanted to transform it. And they understood that um, indoctrinating future generations was the easiest and best way to do that. And so now we're seeing the fruit of that terrible decision that we made as a people to allow this situation to develop and, um, you know, if you look at the data, it's not good. Uh, over 80% of Christian children um, who come from Christian homes with married Christian parents who go through 12 years in a government indoctrination center will leave the faith. They will leave the church. And um, the, you know, what, what was interesting, the UN actually put this on paper. Uh, some of you are probably familiar with Agenda 21. This was kind of the global plan for the 21st century adopted by every national government on the planet. It was uh, signed in 1992. Uh, the uh, George H.W. Bush, the New World Order president, signed that on behalf of the United States. A uh, huge document. You can go read it. It's, it's no conspiracy theory, as the fake news like to say. Uh, go, go look at Chapter 36. They tell you right in plain English in Chapter 36 that we're going to use the education system to change the attitudes, values, beliefs, and behaviors of the next generation to bring about this sustainable development vision. Uh, they actually tell you in plain English that spirituality has to be an essential part of this so-called education. Um, and they've been doing this out in the open, right? Uh, the UN created what they call the World Core Curriculum. This was uh, developed uh, decades ago by the Assistant Secretary General of the UN. His name was Robert Mueller. And I've got copies of all this stuff. You can still find it on the UN website. They say it should be taught in every school on the planet. Uh, the guy who wrote this curriculum, uh, Robert Mueller, again, he did a teacher's manual for this. And in the foreword of the teacher's manual, he actually says that this is based on the teachings of Alice Bailey and the Tibetan teacher, Javal Kul. Well, Alice Bailey was the founder of the Lucifer Publishing Company. Uh, this Tibetan teacher, Jval Kul, is not Tibetan nor a teacher. Uh, this was a spiritual entity that Alice Bailey claimed to be communicating with, who was supposedly giving her secret revelations about the coming new age. Um, you know, obviously, if you read your Bible, she was talking to a demon. And um, this, she was channeling this demon and writing these crazy books like uh, Education in the New Age, where she said that education would be the tool to usher in this new age with a one world federation, a one world religious system. So this is all out in the open. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to speculate or theorize. They've been telling us that this is what they're doing. Yeah, you won't read it on the front page of your newspaper. They're liars, right? They, they are absolute liars. But 
you can't say that this stuff has been hidden. All you had to do was look and you would have found it. Now, to, to continue to bring that up to the present day, Bill Gates went actually over to UNESCO headquarters in 2004. UNESCO is the UN Education Agency, the UN Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization. He signed an agreement with them. Uh, my late friend, Phyllis Schlafly, got a copy of this and posted it on the Internet. So Bill Gates, with his hand, signed this deal with UNESCO to create a one world educational system, global standards, global curricula, global teacher training programs. Then he came back to the United States and put $2.3 billion into this atrocity that we call Common Core today. Now, Common Core has been adopted by all 50 states, even the states that pretended like they weren't going along with this. It came in through the back door, through the textbook companies and the local school district. So uh, where did the funding come from? From Bill Gates. Okay, And they brag about what they're doing. I've got the ads that Bill Gates paid for where they tell you Common Core is aligned with the international standards. I've got them bragging about this on television. So you don't have to be uh, connecting dots to see what's happening here. They will tell you, Rob. Yeah, you know, the sad thing, Alex, is that it didn't have to be this way. You know, if the churches had had stood for anything over the last 60 years. But unfortunately, the churches in many cases now are just as woke and just as politically correct as uh, every other thing. So. That's right. That's right. I, I agree with you 100%. We would not be in this mess if um, churches had done what God called churches to do, if uh, the shepherds who were supposed to be tending to God's flock had done what they were ordered to do. Uh, and, you know, many of them out of fear. Well, I don't want to I don't want to risk my tax exemption. I don't want to risk uh, angering three people in the congregation. I don't want to risk somebody stopping their tithes because I'm telling them the truth. Uh, and you know what? Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. Uh, the, the pastors of this country, not all of them, but the pastors of this country are going to have a lot to answer for because they refused to speak the truth to their congregations. They refused to tell them what the word of God said about all of these different issues that we are now confronted with. And to their credit, a lot of them are now starting to sound the alarm. And uh, you know what? Better late than never. But um, we would not be in this mess. There's no doubt in my mind we would not be in this mess if God's people and the the church had been doing what they were supposed to be doing? Well, you know, the church is supposed to be a place to um, train disciples for the work of ministry, right? That's right. And um, unfortunately, nowadays, we just, uh, we everyone's welcome, come as you are, leave as you are. Yeah. And, um, and the pastors are so fearful of losing people that they will allow the unrepentant sinners sitting in the in the aisles um, to dictate what is spoken of from the pulpit. So, yeah, yep, exactly right, and uh, and it's it's a tragedy to see it. It's it's an absolute tragedy to see it, and yet um, you know this is what you see in churches all across this country, and and that's how we got in this mess. Right? If pastors had been telling parents what the Word of God says about education, if pastors had been telling parents what's happening in the public schools. Um, parents would have done the right thing, right? Uh, pastors are supposed to, and churches are supposed to be equipping the saints for the work of ministry. And instead, we're giving them feel-good sermons and, uh, you know, how to live your best life now. And, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm too harsh on pastors, but I think pastors really uh, need to recognize God put you in a position of leadership. God entrusted you with authority for a very particular purpose. And if you're not using, it's the same thing as, as you know, parent misusing their authority or not correcting their children or not speaking the truth to their children. Um, you know, you're going to be responsible for that. Um, and, and we need to say that clearly. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I will say it clearly. Um, I have respect for 1% or less of the pastors in this country. So, yeah. um, but we better get back to uh, some of the topics here I wanted to get, get discussed. Um, how quickly do you think we'll be seeing the total destruction of the U.S. dollar and a rollout of the world digital currency? I think once it starts, it's going to be very, very fast. Uh, you know, I've been I've been sounding the alarm about this uh, destruction of the coming destruction of the dollar for a long time, and I think it's going to be an unprecedented event in human history. Um, you know, we have seen the destruction of many currencies in the past. As long as we've had fiat currencies, we've had the collapse of currencies. It's something that has happened over a long enough time scale to every fiat currency, and will happen to every fiat currency. Fiat, as in, has value by decree. But the one big difference is that the U.S. dollar is a fiat currency. It's also the global reserve currency. And so um, once the carpet gets pulled out from underneath the U.S. dollar, um, it's going to be rapid. It's going to be catastrophic. And the impact on Americans is going to be 
um, extreme, right? Uh, right now, you can go to Walmart and buy yourself a bunch of cheap junk made in China for uh, you know X amount of dollars. Well, unless the bottom falls out from the dollar, you're not going to be able to buy a whole lot of cheap junk made from communist China. Your dollar is not going to buy you a whole lot of anything. And so, uh, you know, they'll they'll blame this on capitalism. They'll blame this on the free market. They'll blame this on greedy capitalists. They'll blame it on. Uh, you know, whoever the uh, the scapegoat du jour is. But really, they've been planning this for a long time. I've got videos of them admitting this, right? Uh, almost a decade ago, um, Barack Obama's Treasury Secretary, Timothy Geithner, was asked about a communist Chinese pros proposal to phase out the U.S. dollar as a global reserve currency and move over to a system uh, where we had an international currency, uh, the, the International Monetary Fund's so-called special drawing rights. They call them SDRs for short. And this already is sort of a proto-global currency. It just hasn't taken over yet as uh, the kind of the kingpin of the global monetary system. But I do believe that will come uh, probably very rapidly. And uh, Americans are going to, I think, wake up one day and find that uh, the bottom has been pulled out from under their currency. Those dollars that they were holding in their bank account are not going to be worth a whole lot. Um, and I think when it comes, it will come very, very suddenly. And I think it's hard for people to imagine that we've got this normalcy bias. Well, you know, it'll be the same today and tomorrow as it was yesterday, because of course it will be right. Well, remember what happened during COVID, right? Your whole world got turned upside down in basically an instant and recognize that not only can that happen again, it almost certainly will unless urgent and dramatic steps are taken to prevent that. And right now I see zero political will in Washington, D.C. to do anything whatsoever to try to stop this. In fact, if anything, they've, they're, they're trying to push down on the accelerator even faster to drive us over the cliff. Yeah, the 1.7 trillion in uh, uh, freebies um, certainly didn't help matters. That's right. And the, the, the billions they send, it seems like every week to Ukraine so that they can launder that. And, and Ukraine, for those who don't know, is even according to Wikipedia, is the third most corrupt country in the world. Um, it's been the epicenter of money laundering uh, for decades. And um, so every time you see them send another $45 billion to Ukraine, um, that's going just in a circle. <laughs> that's coming back right into the pockets of the people that sent it there in the first place. So, um, so no, they're not helping things. Um, but, uh, you know, they talk about Agenda 2030. You think they're going to hold off until... 2029 so that they can have the you know the the uh stock market crash again uh you know like 1929 or, or or do you think it could possibly happen this year i think it could very possibly happen this year um you know and and you know as christians uh, i i want to say with a caveat here, we are not to be in fear. We are not to be paranoid. We are not to be fretting about, you know, what might happen in the economy and things like that. But we are also, uh, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul talks about we're not ignorant of the schemes of the devil. We need to have an understanding of what's going on here. We need to be realistic. And realistically speaking, um, they could crash the economy tomorrow if they wanted to. I think it will probably come sooner rather than later. You know, Agenda 2030 is, is basically their plan to have done by 2030. They're implementing it as we speak uh, very, very rapidly. But there are a lot of things that are going to require a major crisis to bring about, right? Like this shift to uh, digital currency, that's going to require a major crisis. This total transformation of the food supply, that's going to require a major crisis. Um, this, this move toward a one world government, that's going to require a major crisis. And so I expect we're going to see a lot of crises, economic crisis, monetary crisis, food crisis, um, uh, uh, energy crisis, right? We just saw uh, during the uh, the Christmas break, right, where a lot of people had their power shut off. People literally froze to death in their homes because they're shutting down our power grid under the guise of saving us from global warming. So I think we can expect to see more and more crises coming faster and faster and faster as a means of uh, advancing these agendas. Uh, the the uh, great French philosopher and lawmaker, Frederick Bastiat of the 1800s, he, um, he had a brilliant thing he said, he had many brilliant things he said, but one of the things he pointed out was that these totalitarians, they like to concoct the poison and the antidote in the same laboratory. Uh, and that's what we're witnessing right now, right? They, the same people creating the crises are the people who pose as saviors once the crises start ruining people's lives, ruining people's businesses, ruining our cities, et cetera. So um, we need to be very aware that they're going to unleash more and more crises against our nation, against the world until they can move this along. Uh, and you saw that so clearly with COVID. I think COVID was kind of the the um, 
almost the perfect model of how they do. They create a crisis, right? So you got Fauci and, and company funding gain of function research in communist China. Uh, a killer virus gets released. Then they come in and say, oops, well, don't worry. We have the solution for you. The solution is you got to give up all your freedom. You got to give up all your money. You got to take these injections and then everything is going to be fine. Well, of course, everything's not going to be fine. But the same people who created the problem are the same people offering you the fake solutions. So they're going to do that on the economic front. They're going to do it on the monetary front. They're going to do it on the food front. And uh, I think between now and 2030, we should expect to see more and more of these crises. Um in tandem, of course, with a massive awakening, right? I, I think more people uh, have realized that we're being deceived in the last couple of years than uh, over the preceding 10 years. Uh, and I think the more this happens, the more people are going to wake up. So I think that's encouraging. Uh, and of course, you know, we as Christians, we recognize the sovereignty of God. We recognize that uh, God is ultimately in charge. And to the extent that Satan gets away with something, it's because God is allowing to, allowing it to happen for the time being. So, you know, I don't want Christians to get discouraged by this. In fact, we should be encouraged that uh, our, our father in heaven is sovereign, is supreme, has got it all under control. But we do need to recognize that uh, evildoers uh, under the sway of their father, Satan, are planning very, very nefarious things for us and our families and our country. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's frustrating for me that um, more people have not woken up yet. But uh, one of the things that I think that we need to be doing as Christians is educating ourselves on all this stuff. Our pastors are not going to educate us. They don't even know it themselves. They they have they would never watch a program like this, so they're not they they don't know about it. So they're not going to talk about it. Um, but we need to educate ourselves so that we can educate others who are fearful. We are not fearful. Um, we can count it all joy. It's not going to be joy, but Amen. we can count it all joy. Um, but I think we need to be ready with the answers. Um, when the people are in need, our, our friends and neighbors and family members um, who think we're nuts right now, um, they're going to be looking for answers, and I hope we have them. Absolutely. So, uh, and yeah. I think that that bears repeating, Rob. Um, you know, we saw this during COVID, right? Uh, uh, Christians during the times like this, we should be an oasis of calm. People should look at us and say, whoa. What is it with that guy? How come he's not freaking out like everybody else? How come he's not running around like a chicken with his head cut off? And that's an opportunity right there to minister to people, to preach the gospel to people. Why am I so calm? Why am I so joyful in the midst of all this calamity? Because I know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, we're coming right now uh, very rapidly on some really unprecedented opportunities to minister to our neighbors, to the people in our communities, to the people in our churches being prepared, uh, first and foremost, spiritually, but also in other ways, um, will really help facilitate that. You know, when, you're, when your neighbors are confused, they don't know who to believe, they're being told this on TV, uh, when they see you calm, when they see you uh, standing like a rock on, in Christ, uh, they'll say, hmm, what does that guy have? I want to know. I want to talk to him. I want to know what he's got. And that is then our opportunity to share the light of the gospel with them. Yeah, and a lot of information has already come out. It's strange how many conspiracy theories um, of 2020, 2021, 2022 have now been proven to be true. Yeah. So, um, and um, it is no coincidence that 117 food processing facilities were somehow destroyed over the last year either. Um, We've, we've got uh, supply chain problems, transportation problems, inflation, uh, a literal invasion on our southern border. You know, this is all deliberate, folks, and um, not to mention the wokeism we already mentioned, uh, pushed in every possible way on our kids. So um, this is the agenda. We have uh, about six minutes left. Anybody in the audience have any questions or comments? uh russ let's go to russ first and then betty yeah i just want to uh, say the who is a part of this that if they get past what they've got up uh trying to get the, the, the lose u.s sovereignty it's going to be like what we all been talking about here going to be on steroids i just want to if we can do anything to stand against that i think that's very important and thank you for your program and what you do alex 
Thank you so much, Russ. I appreciate that very much. And yeah, the World Health Organization is a critical part of this. It has been for a very long time. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's a criminal organization. It's literally right now under the leadership of a former uh, ethno-Marxist terrorist leader. Um, and, you know, that's that's not a hyperbole. That's a fact. He was on the Politburo of the Tigray People's Liberation Front, an Ethiopian ethno-Marxist terrorist group that was declared a terrorist group by governments around the world. Uh, he was put there with the help from communist China. In fact, I've got it on good authority that uh, the communist Chinese bribed and bullied other governments into helping elect this man. <clears throat> of course, it's the uh, personal playground of people like Bill Gates. And um, as we speak right this moment, they're working on amendments to the international health regulations that will remove any references to considering human rights and individual freedoms in the implementation of these totalitarian measures. Uh, they're working on an international pandemic treaty. Uh, they want to empower the WHO to basically be the global department of health with the authority to quarantine nations, individuals, cities. Uh, now, I mean, they say that basically climate change is a public health crisis. Gun violence is a public health crisis. Racism is a public health crisis. In other words, every single part of your life should fall into the jurisdiction of the WHO because it's a public health issue. That's what they themselves are openly saying. But there are ways that we can protect ourselves at the state level. Um, I actually spoke with many of our senior legislators here in Florida. They they committed to me. Uh, we'll see if they follow through. They committed to me that they would uh, try to pursue legislation that would uh, basically insulate Florida from this and say, you know what? These uh, agreements are unconstitutional. These WHO decrees are unconstitutional. Therefore, um, no employee or officer of the state of Florida or any subdivision thereof may implement any directives from the World Health Organization contrary to the Constitution of the state of Florida or the United States. Um, I think that's a brilliant measure. Every state in this union should take uh, immediate action to insulate themselves. Uh, of course, Donald Trump did a wonderful thing by getting us out of the World Health Organization. We should do that again. In the meantime, the House of Representatives is under the control of Republicans, supposedly at least. It would be a very, very simple matter to uh, next time they pass an appropriations bill, say not one single penny in this bill may be used to implement anything coming out of the WHO. Not one single penny in this bill may be sent to the WHO. And that's the end of the story. So there are ways to protect ourselves from this uh, in the governmental realm. The question is, will the political leaders do the right thing? Uh, they will if there's enough pressure. Russ, that was an uh, excellent uh, comment, and um, Alex, that was an excellent answer. Uh, Betty. Yes, I have to agree. Uh, very, very good um, show. And I was going to say that my speaker, whenever it hears something but doesn't understand it, it says, could you please repeat that? I did not understand you. I am about ready to throw that thing in the pond. <laughs> you know, it, it is just unbelievable what they listen to. And also after last night's incident with that football player, you know, people, they need to start waking up. And I, it didn't surprise me that they suspended the game because those other players were sad on what was happening. But those other players realized why he went down and they didn't want to get out there because they were scared. So it's going to be really interesting when it comes to these other games and when these players start falling, you know, falling down, like the numbers are just going to go outrageous. So I don't know. Our world is crazy, but we just got to keep our faith in God, stand firm in the blood of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Betty. Well said, Betty. Couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. And we're going to see a lot more people dropping. In fact, this is an issue that's personal for me. Uh, they gave my dad that Pfizer injection, and uh, his heart literally stopped uh, less than 36 hours after that. There's not one doubt in my mind that it was a direct result of that. It completely ruined his heart. Um, praise the Lord. We were able to have him for an extra year after his heart stopped uh, because of the intervention of doctors. He happened to be in a doctor's office. But um you know, the, the, the devastation caused by these things. I'll tell you what, I'm very, very pleased that here in the state of Florida, we've launched a grand jury investigation of these pharmaceutical companies. Yes. Uh, I've spoken several times just in the last few weeks with our state surgeon general, Dr. Joe Latipo. Um, I, I think personally, they ought to be looking at mass murder charges on all these people involved, including in Washington, D.C. But, um, you know, it's a start. Uh, we're going to get access to some documents. We're going to get access to uh, testimony. And so we need a whole lot more of that. But you're right. We're going to see so much more of this. Uh, God help us. Um, 
and yeah, you know, the world is crazy, but uh, if people have been reading their Bibles, they, they would have known, right? The Bible repeatedly refers to Satan as the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the God of this age. And so when we realize that the Bible is true and that reality is exactly as the Bible describes it, suddenly everything that we're seeing makes perfect sense. Well, I feel for you, for your father, you know, I'm sorry. I had a brother and they killed him with remdesivir within yep. 24 hours. Yep. So many millions. And they blamed all those deaths on COVID, even though it was the, the protocol they were pushing. So God help these people. Alex, um, we're down to less than a minute here. Real quick, real quick. Is DeSantis the real deal or is are we being played? It's a fair question. Uh, as somebody who spent a lot of time in his office when he was my congressman uh, haranguing him, um, He's done better than any other governor in this country. But, uh, you know, the Bible says, put not your trust in princes. we got to keep our trust in the Lord and uh, keep all of them in prayer because they need it. Yep. Amen. God's got this, folks. Don't be afraid. God's got this. I got to go. We're out of time. I'll see you all next week. No, I will not see you next week. I'll be back in a couple of weeks with John Whitehead as my guest. Alex Newman, thanks for being here. We will see you in person in uh, April for our conference. And uh, more details on that as soon as I figure it all out. Thank so, you so much. God bless you. Thanks for being here, guys. God bless. Mm -hmm.